Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. Welcome to the special edition of Laugh. Laugh goes to the Oscars. Today's film is director Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies. Co-written by Matt Charman and Joel and Ethan Cohen, this period picture takes us back to the height of the Cold War to dramatize a prisoner exchange involving the downed American U-2 spy plane pilot Gary Powers and a KGB spy arrested for espionage. The taut thriller stars Tom Hanks as James Donovan, Amy Ryan as his wife Mary, and nominated Best Supporting Actor Mark Rylance as the Soviet spy Rudolf Abel. In addition to Best Picture, this film has earned five other Oscar nominations, including production design and original screenplay. Join us now as the Laugh Podcast travels to Berlin's Glenica Bridge in 1962 to review Bridge of Spies. So this is the good stuff. Yes. The award-winning good stuff. What did you think of this movie, Bridge of Spies? I liked it. Didn't love it. I enjoyed it. Tom Hanks is always fun. Steven Spielberg always delivers a fine film, I think. I think he got nominated, or I think this movie got nominated because it's Spielberg, and they needed some history in these uh, in this year's round of awards. Hmm. You always seem to like to have the period piece. Well, you got that with Brooklyn. Yeah, but that's not historically, that's not an actual based on real events. Right. I don't know. I think this would have made it in the other year. This is in the top half of the eight movies that have been uh, nominated for Best Pictures, I think. It's not bad. I like it. I don't love it. I mean, if you say, is this one of the top eight films of the year? Sure. I'd like to imagine, though, when you have all your Best Picture nominees, you feel that all of them have a shot at winning. I don't feel that this has a shot at winning Best Picture. Well, you don't have that. You don't have that with with three or four of the other ones. I I know, but in my mind, you know, that's what I would like. So that's good. What do you think of this? I I admired it. I admired its uh, its technical prowess and the way that the story is told and the screenwriter. I liked it as an examination of a screenplay. A lot of the visuals were really good. I liked its accuracy. I liked the performances of Tom Hanks. I liked the performance of Mark Rylance, but I want to talk about the fact that he was nominated for Best Picture, or Best uh, Supporting Actor. Um, There's some things that bother me about the character of Donovan, but that has nothing to do with the movie itself. Like, uh, I guess it does have a lot to do with the movie itself, but it doesn't have to do anything with the movie's worth. I, I guess there are things that I just have, problems I just have in general with shysters. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's interesting you call him a shyster. I, I think the interesting thing is he's so good at convincing other people of what to do. He gets convinced an awful lot about what he should do. That's a contrivance that's not completely accurate also. Yeah, okay. In terms of the plot. or like, There are a lot of contrivances in the screenplay, which I I admire, but I they, they stick out also. So for me to notice them, they become, uh, I, I don't want to say tropey, 
but Spielbergian, I guess is the best way to describe it. He relies on um, like a running jokes, uh, running lines, through lines, and then melodrama. He's, I think he wants to make melodramatic points in key decision areas in the movie that are just a little bit over the top for me. And it's not subtle. This is not a subtle movie necessarily. Not that it has to be. Spielberg can tell whatever kind of movies he wants to tell. But I find um, this and Lincoln are in around the same area of my... I, I, in fact, I think I like this a little bit more than I like Lincoln, just because it's not as showy. Maybe yeah, Lincoln did not work for me. I've tried to watch that movie a couple times, and I keep falling asleep during it. Oh. I, well, that's because you're lazy. No, I just... <laughs> doesn't work doesn't uh, work that happened to me in this movie i fell asleep the first time i started trying to watch it no uh, yeah uh, yeah uh tom hanks is good the, the problem is you start to feel like spielberg feels any decade of american history is better if we see it through tom hanks's character's eyes <laughs> okay i mean he's almost showing up too much in spielberg films now what other movies are you like referencing through his eyes uh catch me if you can that's the same saving era. private ryan Again, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good movie. It, it, they're all good movies, but it's just, it's a little too well, much Tom Hanks. I'll tell you how this movie works, though, is because of Tom Hanks. I think because this movie to me conveys the power of ethos. Because when a person has the bearing and demeanor of someone, the abilities of someone like Hanks, then you're able to accept his character of Donovan a little bit more easily than you would have maybe if they'd have given a more true to life portrayal of him. I mean, his arguments that Hanks make, the arguments that he makes in the movie, come off differently because Hanks is making it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If a guy like Christopher Walken or uh, <laughs> or or someone without the same gravitas, maybe, or, mm-hmm. e- or ethos, or... If you had Ben Affleck, and I like Ben Affleck, I right. think you like him, but... He can't pull he, it he, off. Yeah, he doesn't always have that likability factor that Hanks have. But has. there's also, yeah, there's an abrasiveness to what donovan is saying and i think that even when you're like the very first time you see donovan he's on a train or whatever or in a drawing room or something and he's explaining to a person that his client only committed one accident when he ran over five different people on five motorcycles or whatever and this is a position that his insurance company is taking because he's an insurance Mm -hmm. person but um when you think about how much you rely on Donovan to be focused on justice and r- what's right. The character of just like the character of Donovan, a lot of his motivation in the movie is this is the right thing to do at this time. And I'm willing to risk everything for this, for the benefit of this higher power or the document of the, um, at one point he mentions the constitution, how important that is. And then at one point he puts, another guy's life on the line, at least his uh, existential existence and, or at least his existence in, in, uh, in prison on the line um, for the sake of justice and moral right. And he can simultaneously argue, argue from a basis of technicality as opposed to morality. And I think the only way you can do that is if you're Tom Hanks. Does that make sense? Yeah. He wouldn't have the same point of view if this, if the roles were reversed, if he were, he the would lawyer, argue it differently. He's on a different he side of the case. Right. And you should. He's doing exactly but what a lawyer should do. He, that's he what is it, fighting for his client. Maybe. Okay. But then you can't say that because ter- the best thing for him to do is to get able 
to Russia. Abel's not his client anymore. The United States. Oh, I are mean, his in, re- in reality, he was the whole time he was Abel's client. Yeah, but he has a conversation before he heads off to Berlin, and they're saying Abel is not your client anymore. Uh, all right. Well, my and, argument and he still... agrees with that, and I think if you buy into that, then you can understand how he's able to have it supposedly both ways. He doesn't because his allegiances switch halfway through the film. <laughs> That's just another way of having it both ways. No, if he, he gets arguing, hired for a new job. If he were hired by the by the uh, individuals who were suing the insurance company, the five individuals that were suing the insurance company for the guy that ran over him, he would be arguing a different point. He would be mm-hmm. arguing from a different perspective. So what? So there is no moral right. There is no moral exactitude. Yeah. And he's acting like he's a moral character. The movie comes across as if he's this highly moral, sophisticated character. You can say it's bunkum. You can. It like, is bunkum because how? he's doing his job as a lawyer. He's he's doing what he needs to do to win. If you had right. a football coach and he's got a group of players and he coaches in one style, but then you give him a different group of players, you give him the opponent's players, and he changes the way he runs his offense and his defense to better suit that second team, he's not selling out his morals as a coach. He's doing what it takes to win the game. Your analogy doesn't work. The, uh, it does more... work because then I win the conversation. The more appropriate analogy would be a guy like Tom Hayden, uh, the consigliere for The Godfather. He's a lawyer and he's arguing for his point of view, but he's also a criminal at the same time. So he's not coming from a morally just point of view. He's trying to do whatever benefits his lawyer. That's how I say that the Donovan character is a shyster. Lawyers don't decide morality. I know they don't, but the character Donovan is set up in the movie as a moral character. Those seem to be his motivations. What does he ever do that's moral? Everything he does is based in the. It, it, with is this. based in his client's best interest. No, it's not. Not no. You're trying to have it both ways yourself. You just said that Abel wasn't his client. For half the movie, he is, and his decisions. Then the are second half of the movie, his motivations are patriotism. Because the government is his client for the second half. We don't even see that he gets compensated for it. Okay, he's doing it as a pro bono favor or whatever. But there is a conversation right, a before morale. he goes to Berlin, and he says, "Abel's my client." And he's told, no, Abel is no longer your client. They say that in the movie. Yeah. Okay, but... And so then his decisions, you're saying, you know, he, he's now turned. I agree with you, he's turned. Because Abel is no longer his client. That still doesn't and make he him still any does less what's of a best for America. in the first part of the movie. Get him. He needs to get both these guys back. And he does it. No, he, he doesn't need to get... America doesn't want the other guy back. They don't want Pryor back. The Some CIA do. doesn't... Huh? Some of them do. Not in the CIA. Not the guys that he set Aren't up against. Aren't we happy he got two guys back aren't we glad that we got the best of both russia and east germany well no i'm not i, I don't know in terms of diplomacy i have no idea in terms of don't you feel that we got the best part of that deal yeah I, sure of course but we don't also know how so what the why other don't we applaud were. the job donovan did i'm not not applauding it i'm just saying the guy's a shyster in real life and you can't argue that the, that it's a, a morally just position to say that running over five people is just one accident and you only owe the maximum Morality amount of has nothing to do with being a lawyer. All right. For whatever going, reason, you keep throwing that out there. I do keep throwing it out there because of the character in the movie. I'm not talking about reality. I'm talking about the character in the movie is a contradiction to itself. And you've pointed out no contradictions. All right. Fair enough. That's your point of view. You're I mean, wrong. you tried you tried to set up a straw man argument. I said there is no straw man there. No, I'm saying you're missing my point. Donovan 
comes across as a jerk if he's not Tom Hanks. If you have someone else playing that role and doing the things and saying the things that he does, even when he's giving that speech, you're, I think we're willing to agree with him when he's saying, yeah, he is on his part of that. I mean, you're, you're taken in by him. But his argument is not just. And the rest of the movie, most of what he does, his motivations are based in something in, on some higher moral plane. They come from patriotism. They come from duty. They come from all of the other, you know, I'm going to put my family at risk in order to do what's right. It's always about what's doing what is right. I, I and, agree with you. You need Tom Hanks for this role. All right. There you go. We agree. But agree to I, agree. I, but I, I think it's the same thing. If you didn't have Matt Damon in The Martian, another film we're going to be talking about later. I don't think another actor could have pulled off that role and made uh, Mark Watney as likable as he is in that film. Again, if you put Ben Affleck in that position, and not to pick on Ben Affleck, I'm looking forward to him doing the new Batman film. I think he'll be great as Batman. But he couldn't have done what Matt Damon's doing in that film in making Mark Watney as likable as he is. Tom Hanks is doing what you hire Tom Hanks to do, to be likable. I mean, Toy Story. Woody is a jerk in that film. Right. He makes him likable. I, I just... I don't like John, James Donovan, the character. Right, I enough. think there's inconsistency. I'll tell you something else I don't like. I don't like Mark Rylance too much. I don't know how he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for just playing Deputy Dog. Aww. That's all he does. He doesn't emote. He does nothing. Eyes in his soul. <laughs> okay. That came across for you? I can't. I, there is, I do not understand when you compare his role to Ruffalo in Spotlight how they're doing the same thing they're not they're not performing the same actions don't you feel for mark rylance's character in this no. a little bit you, not you because of mark rylance. the whole time i don't hate him at all i think he he's takes nothing. a very unlikable character he's a cipher and makes him very likable i think in real life he probably was pretty likable because he lived here for 15 years and nobody messed with him he's a soviet spy I think that, that there's a power to the position that this guy is just doing what he thinks is best for his country. And then that gets more into the universal truth aspect that we were talking about earlier. How did we do in there? Uh, not too good. Apparently you're not an American citizen. That's true. And according to your boss, you're not a Soviet citizen either. Well, the boss isn't always right. But he's always the boss. Do you never worry? Would it help? But in terms of the acting performance, you take Mark Rylance as Rudolph Abel. There, I mean, there's a there's a funny little line. Yeah, you know, and they come back very to the, calm and controlled. He seems like, oh yeah, this guy is a spy. When they bust in to arrest him, he doesn't freak out. And then he's like, can I clean my easel? I don't want the paints to dry. I think they said that and he they, was really like that. And they and he gets away with it. And he destroys the little code sheet that's there. Again, contrivance. It works. It's great little characterization. Uh, and to me, his performance is believable there. I, I liked him a whole lot better than uh, Austin Stowell, the guy playing Francis Gary Powers. Not that he was bad, but that character had nothing to do with he was just nothing. Yeah. The only reason we want to see him come back to us is because he's an American and we're all Americans. Yeah. In the movie, did you really care if he comes back or not? Or were you just more interested in the... I just want... We got to get our boy back. Really? So you had the... That, you, were, you were... No soldier left behind. You were taken over it's with that, patriotic it's, fervor. Yeah, exactly. That's the, on, that's the only reason why you care about this character. 
See, I guess I was watching the movie more on a technical level than yeah. I, 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 again. But Abel, I don't I'm like, emotionally. I kind of like that Russian. He might be fighting what against if, us, but I, I give him props. Yeah, but in terms of acting, he's not doing a whole lot. He's making me care about a Russian spy. So you think Mark Rylance deserves all the praise he's gotten? Yeah, I liked him in the role. All right, fair you enough. Did, you didn't like him? All right, that's fine, too. No, i tell you who I did like, and there wasn't enough of him. Fat Matt Damon. Or Crackhead Matt Damon. Crackhead Matt Damon. What's that guy's name? Jesse Plemons. God, Jesse Plemons. What if Jesse Plemons had played Gary Powers? Would uh, you have liked him better? Or do you probably not. Like not. I don't like Fat Matt Damon. Because he's, <laughs> because he's been so good at stuff Matt like David. Crackhead. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's fat and a crackhead. Can you be both? Oh, uh, I mean, he he's played a lot of unlikable characters. And he's done a great job, so okay. I don't like him. All right. So but I mean, again, ethos. It's all about the connection. What about Alan Alda? I love Alan Alda. Um, I, I don't think I've ever disliked Alan Alda in anything I've seen him in. Do you think that they? I'm not a huge fan of his politics always, but uh, yeah, he's wonderful on film. Do you watch. think that they stopped short on that storyline though? seems like uh, when Donovan agrees to take Abel's case in front of the Supreme Court, after that, it seems like he sort of falls out of favor with his lawyer, and then we never see it again. Yeah, they, they kind of back away from that. I mean, there's a lot they kind of don't yeah. show of Donovan's career. At the end, when they go, yeah, he saved these two guys. We got them back. But then he went down to Cuba and got 9,000 people. Right. Like holy crud! I mean, he had to have been compensated some nine thousand people he negotiated, and he was only supposed to go for like eleven hundred. He comes back with all these extra people. He's awesome. But weren't they all criminals? I don't know. They were in jail. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this is a great story. It's a it's an important part of Cold War history and everything. But nine thousand. Uh, I was listening to. I was blown away when I saw that in the trailer. I had or in the end of the film, I had to go on Wikipedia the thing and read all about it. Oh, I was listening to the Q and A podcast with the screenwriter mm. uh, Chapman, and he said his the germ of the idea for this movie came from a footnote in a book that he was reading a, reading about either Kennedy or the Bay of Pigs, and it said something along him going down to Cuba to get all these dissidents or whatever, these mm-hmm. people. And in the footnote, it said who James Donovan was. And he's like, I've never heard of this story. Or he's a British guy. So he's like, oh, I've never heard of this story. And he huh. decided to write the movie from there. Well, let alone Donovan was involved in the Nuremberg trials. Before that, yeah. I mean, both of those really cool right. stories, it seems like. Could this be a trilogy? Do you think he was played? No, they already did Judgment at Nuremberg. In the 60s with Spencer Tracy. William Who Shatner. is our generation Spencer Tracy? Tom Hanks. <laughs> so Tom Hanks plays William Donovan again. He's like the Jason Bourne. Uh, yeah, I could see him returning to this role. All right. I mean, I wouldn't mind watching more Donovan. He, I liked him. I thought he was a very moral man. That's a shame because he was bad. <laughs> Steadfastness and sanctimony are not um, two things I want to eat at the same time. Yeah, fine, so, fine. Um... Is this up for any other Oscars? Is it up for production? I think it was up for three. Anderson at the beginning of the show mentioned that it was up for Best Picture. And uh, I want to say production values and production design. And the production design team that created the um, the feeling of the 1960s, that's another highlight. That's a, that's a highlight of all Spielberg's film, films. <laughs> I said films. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see period movies, then 
Spielberg is going to do him very, very well. Yeah, no, this got nominated for original screenplay, which is weird right. because original it's based on a historical event, uh, achievement in music, original score, sound mixing, production design. Does it win any Oscars? No. Really? Yeah, I think it. I, I, there are just so many other strong ones, and they do that to Spielberg. They'll nominate him for a bunch of stuff and then shut him out in one year. Spielberg is shut out again. He, he still won a lot of Oscars. Oh, and he'll probably win some more. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like uh, screenplay, I think there are stronger contenders for that, and we'll talk about that when we do our Academy show. Sound design, Mad Max. I think, oh yeah, runs Mad away Max. With that. A lot of those technical awards are going to be Mad Max: The Revenant. Yeah. I, I just, so. I mean, even production design, this is good, but we have seen other films do Cold War era. So you think. And they've done it well enough where you're not going, oh, I've never seen this before. This is amazing. Do you think Rylance gives a better performance than uh, uh, Rocky and Apollo than Creed? St- Stallone? Than Stallone? I, I liked Stallone's performance more. And it's a different role. It's like comparing apples Yeah, he's to doing something. <laughs> I, I like Ray Lance. I didn't know who he was before this film, really. I, I, I want to go see him in more stuff. Fair enough. Maybe that'll happen for this movie, then. He, he'll get more stuff. I know Chapman, the screenwriter, is working on, uh, oh, the, the Patriot Day movie with Mark Wahlberg is mm-hmm. producing it about the um, bombing during the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. And he says he's thinking of it as a historical picture, but... He says all these people are still alive. Most of the people in this other movie are sort of dead. So it's a different way of writing, a different series of things to think about. I say of the eight pictures, this movie ranks, I want to say fourth, maybe just ahead of The Martian, but maybe not. Maybe yeah. just below The Martian. It doesn't rank ahead of Mark. I'd put this probably five, so maybe six, not, but I, I really like all of the nominees this year i'm not sure that i watched one film where i went how did this get nominated so i think this is a good movie to start off on i'm looking forward to some of the future films we're talking about too because fair enough some we haven't talked about others we've talked about and i went oh dang it i forgot to mention this or that or this other thing i think next up is brooklyn Ooh, i like talking about period pieces that might have been the biggest surprise for me came out of nowhere so so our next Oscar nomination, Brooklyn. This has been uh, Bridge of Spies. What did you think of today's review? Did the guys get it right? Or are you wondering what movie they watched? Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash thelaughpodcast. We will read the best ones on a future show. All right, so that was uh, John Anderson, our announcer. If you want to get him on your show, uh, you can contact him at hawk1man at yahoo.com. That's hawk, the number one, and then man with two ends because that's the only way to have it at yahoo.com. Thank you, John Anderson. Next time, Brooklyn, for Mr. Two Frames over there on the L Train Pox at Bodum, everybody. There be dragons. I haven't liked a Russian spy so much since uh, I watched uh, Spies Like Us. Uh, Kevin Costner. You what? There's a movie called Kevin Costner. No, since I saw Kevin Costner, Nowhere to Run. <laughs> I never saw that movie.
I thought you were going to say the title of a movie when you said Kevin Costner. Yeah, well, I I was worried about ruining it. That's a spoiler for a 1980s film. Oh, yeah, so you don't want to say the title of the movie. Good, don't say it. I thought it's Nowhere to Run. I'll repeat it. Oh, wait, so you did spoil it. You you were afraid to spoil it Well, you look confused, so I had to. Well, I am confused because you said Kevin Costner. A famous Russian spy. No Way Out. I'm sorry. Wow, so... Ironically, you hadn't spoiled it. At that point, you could have just said, oh, I hadn't spoiled you it You haven't yet. seen No Way Out? Oh, it's a great movie. I mean, there's but no now reason it... for me to see it now. <laughs> I know the ending. Oh, that's great. There you go. There he goes. The 2016 gets off to a roaring bay. Now I get in trouble for ruining another like... movie from the 80s. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that's like 87 or so. There are some hot Russian spies and spies like us. How long after a movie comes out can I spoil it and not get in trouble for spoiling it? I think when you had several opportunities not to spoil it, yet you continue. No, I mean, is, is there a statute of limitations? Like, uh, if depends. I give away a plot twist from a movie in the 1950s, am I a jerk? It, it, yes. If the if the question is, am I a jerk? No matter what precedes it, so the answer is always going to be yes. So I should not explain what happens in Sleepaway Camp. No, you already did that. You that was last year's. Yeah, that was last year. You got really upset about that. Yeah, I got a little upset. All right, so uh, go watch uh, No Way Out, <laughs> <laughs> or not. You don't really have to. Not at this. Point.